Hello, everyone. Welcome back to From the Front Row, brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. My name is Eric Ramos, and I'm joined today by Anya Morozov. If this is your first time with us, welcome. We're a student-run podcast that talks about major issues in public health and how they're relevant to anyone, both in and outside the field of public health. Today, we're talking with Dr. Tom Bond, an associate professor of health management policy who's retiring the day we plan to air this episode. He holds a Master of Health Services Administration degree and a PhD in Health Services Organization Policy from the University of Michigan and has worked at the University of Iowa in various capacities since 1995. Today, he is on the show to chat with us about his career, his research, and some advice for the future students. Welcome to the show, Tom. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here. So, Tom, can you just walk us through your career path a little bit just so we can get a good picture of, you know, where you came from, how you got to today? Sure. I started off uh, when I was an undergrad as a respiratory therapy technician in, um, in Ann Arbor, Michigan at a hospital. And I did that for about three years. And then by some odd circumstances, wound up working in their personnel department and had a meeting one day with their administrator who who's asked me if I'd ever thought about hospital administration. I thought, oh, what the heck? <laughs> so I applied um, and got into um, the MHSA uh, program at Michigan um, in 1975. And then, so I did that for a couple of years. And then when I finished, I went to Hillcrest Hospital, which is in Cleveland, Ohio, and worked there for about six years as a director of patient services and also doing strategic planning. And it was an interesting thing. They took out a layer of management of which I was a part, which taught me something about um, recovering from bad circumstances. I wound up um, after that getting a job at Mercy Hospital in Clinton, Iowa, um, and was there uh, for about three years. And I got intellectually restless. I like ideas and concepts and theories. And I started thinking, maybe I should go get a doctorate. Um, and then I also thought, if I get a doctorate, I can train a lot of people to run a lot of healthcare organizations rather than trying to ran, run one myself. So I decided I would do that. And I, so I went back to graduate school and I was there for about, actually for about nine years, which is a, a long time uh, for, for most people to be in a doctoral program these days, but I'm a little slow. And then I came here in 1995, and I've been here um, ever since. Well, I'm sure, first of all, I'm sure you learned a lot (laughs) during that nine-year PhD process. And also, uh, I'm sure it was probably informed by your work kind of practicing in healthcare administration. So can you talk a little bit more about how your experience practicing as a healthcare executive um, informed your research career? Yeah, um, a couple of things. Number one, it gave me some insight into healthcare organizations and the the complexities of those organizations because you've got so many different professions, so many different folks with different kinds of training. You've got you know the external influences of federal policy and state and local policy and payment mechanisms and all those kinds of things. So it gave me a sense of of that you know complexity. And also, and kind of the balances of trying to meet the needs and expectations of different stakeholders and balancing those off in pursuit of, of, of the primary goal, which is namely serving, you know, the public and serving people who need, who need health care. And so that helped me think through what the kinds of things that and helped me kind of develop my philosophy of research, which is namely to try to do research 
that either improves our ability to care for patients in, in healthcare organizations or that makes it um, easier and more fulfilling for the staff working in those organizations. Obviously throughout your career, um, from the beginning to now, things have changed so much, especially in the last two years, just with the pandemic itself. So much has happened to healthcare just in the past two years, but over like the length of your entire career, how have you seen kind of the field of health management policy or just the, the career of health administration change? Or what are some things that you've seen um, you've had to shift focus to over the years? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, in, in some ways, it's it's been kind of episodic, for want of a, of a better term. So, for instance, um, I started working in the field, you know, after my master's degree in 1975, and in 1984 they introduced what they called at the time prospective payment system, which basically we now think of as DRG. A reimbursement, which is basically a reimbursement that the government uh, for for Medicare government sets based on the diagnosis that someone has, and they've got a whole waiting system. And Eric knows this, but but Anya, you may not. Uh, they've got a whole waiting system that tells you know how much one procedure, how much effort it takes versus another kind of of a of a diagnosis in order to take care of those patients, and that really through the the industry into uh, a tizzy, if you will, because prior to that, they had what was called usual customary and reasonable rates, which basically meant what everybody else is charging, you're allowed to charge that much. And so it caused people to start thinking about, okay, what are our profitable service lines rather than just, you know, who are we taking care of and let's do a good job? You know, where do we need to focus in, in terms of the bottom line as well as as how we're gonna take care of, of the patients. So, and then another thing that, that has been really interesting is the growth of systems and then the impact of systems that, you know, so you've got a, a, a perhaps distant administration for the system who is influencing the decisions you make at the local organization. And so that growth changed things. And then in 2000 um, was the, the book came out to Air is Human, in which uh, some folks estimated that something like 98,000 persons a year died because of hospital misadventures and healthcare misadventures. And that was followed closely by another book, Crossing the Quality Chasm, which talked about, okay, what do we do about this? How do we, how do we think about the healthcare delivery system as a system? And what are the pieces within that system that we need to, to how, do, how do we fit all those pieces of the system together to improve the quality of care? So that kind of drove the concept of the triple aim, which, uh, which Don Berwick is really famous for. And he wrote a, a piece with uh, Nolan and uh, Whittington about, about that. And the idea behind the triple aim is you, you want to si simultaneously, I'm looking at some notes. I for, forgive me for that, but <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. Improving the experience of care, improving the health of populations, and reducing the per capita cost of care, and that really drove a lot of the work around um, improving quality at, at, in healthcare uh, institutions, but also in in terms of efficiency as well. And so, a lot of organizations started adopting efficiency and quality mechanisms from industry. So for instance, Lean and Six Sigma and things like that became very popular. 
Another big issue was, which was really kind of on the cusp when I was just finishing up my master's, but really didn't grow a whole lot till later, was the, the role of physician executives at the senior level of, of organizations um, and their role in terms of helping think through not only quality, but also strategy in, in terms of, of the organization. Then uh, along came the Affordable Care Act in 2010. And, you know, then that drove all kinds of the changes that are, you know, so prevalent right now, like accountable care organizations, informatics in terms of population health management, the coordination of care across levels of, of acuity and all those kinds of things. The emphasis on those, those were always, you know, kind of happening, but the, the real emphasis. So for the, the accountable care organizations, for instance, there are financial incentives to manage care across the levels of acuity and across different um, organizations more than ever before. And then, of course, we've got our good friend COVID-19 more recently, and that's caused people to really rethink their care processes in healthcare delivery organizations. It'll be interesting, just as a side comment, to see how how much those really persist, those changes that people, people made. Some folks are thinking, that, they're, uh, that they will, some people are, are not so sure. So that'll be an interesting research project for somebody else to take on in the future. And then of course, one of the other things there was the growth in telemedicine. And we've got kind of a, a couple of our colleagues here in our department have a, a, a major research center looking at telemedicine and its use. So those are kind of some of the things. And then it's how we adapt as, as executives and as managers you know, it, to each of these little changes or, or big changes, you know, how, how we adapt to them, you know, causes us to be thinking about, okay, you know, what do we have to pay more attention to as, as we try to manage these organizations? I just think it's really interesting how you kind of talked about PPS and kind of that fee-for-service DRG system, how that really threw things for a tizzy back then, but how we're kind of now talking about value-based health and how that's going to affect the system now, how we're going through a new change. And even now, how people are thinking of the quadruple aim rather than the triple aim, it's interesting to see how those ideas kind of evolve and how they're kind of at the forefront now, just as much as they were back then. I'm interested to see how that's going to evolve. Like when I'm like older in my retirement age, how that's going to really look like how I'm going to look back at that. You know, that's a very good question. And and again, I think that in some ways, the, the quadruple aim makes more sense in terms of at least the things that I've always been interested in, which is namely not just about how we're taking care of the patients, but also how we're taking care of the staff. And I think COVID um, helped emphasize the fact the need to take care of our staff and, you know, clinical and non-clinical both and how to take care of them so that they can be protective and they can feel like they're fulfilled in, in, in what, in what they're doing. So I, my sense is that that's going to be, um, you know, long-term um, of course, all the nuances. And then another thing that I didn't even think to mention in terms of changes is some of the other people that are getting into, into healthcare. Well, they've been in it already, but CVS and Walgreens and the major emphasis they're putting on. And then some of the um, other corporations like IBM and, and, and Apple and those folks who are, are trying to make some inroads into, into healthcare. And so it's, uh, you know, those kinds of things, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. It's, some of those are already falling apart, so we'll see. We'll see what, what's going to you know what's going to happen in the future. I think it's going to be a, a exciting times for the folks going into the field. I agree. 
Yeah, I think the field is evolving quickly. Um, I think the part that really resonated with me was the focus on systems thinking, because I think that's true in a lot of other aspects of public health as well as um, kind of recognizing everything is this big system and how changes in one part affect changes in another. Yeah, one of the things that I, I kind of miss, just kind of, you know, mentioned in passing a minute ago is population health. And, you know, I'm con personally convinced that if we're going to fix the uh, healthcare delivery system and improve the health of the population, which is what public health is all about, um, we, we need in the, in the delivery side to be thinking more and more about population health and population health in the sense of our community, the community we serve, not just the people who walk through our, happen to walk through our doors and how we're going to um, integrate uh, and supplement the things that public health professionals are, are doing so that we're working at, you know, in, in conjunction with one another more effectively. Yeah. Uh, well, I am just kind of starting my career. You have probably conducted many studies over the years. So are there any studies you've conducted that you'd like to highlight? Yeah, a couple on this again, kind of goes back to the whole issue of, um, of my philosophy of, you know, the research kind of research I want to do. One of which is um, a, a thing that I did with some colleagues, both here and elsewhere, called the, the Hospital Leadership and Quality Assessment Tool, something we created based on the literature and that, and then we're able to administer it to uh, over 400 hospitals in nine states to find out what the, what the kind of some of the key organizational characteristics that seem to support quality of health healthcare, um, you know, were. And, and it was, it was really re, uh, a rewarding piece of work for me. Um, another one, again, at the more micro level, for want of a better term, is the work that we did with Team Steps and Team Steps Evaluation. Team Steps is a program that was developed I think by the American Institute uh, for Research. Um, and the idea behind it, it, it is to work with healthcare delivery teams to improve their functioning. And, and it's got a whole educational uh, a component to it, like a two or three day workshop that people go through. And then they, the idea is that they bring that back to their organization and, and, and implement it. We got a grant to, to evaluate its implementation in several organizations here in Iowa. Man, it was kind of, you know, it was kind of a fascinating process to do that. And it was also interesting to see, you know, where it worked and where it didn't seem to be working and why it seemed to work, why it didn't seem to, to, to be working. So, but it was, it was, nevertheless, it was kind of rewarding to be involved just in that because it was, again, the idea of how to help people do their work more effectively and, and feel more committed to it. I did an, another thing that more recently, because of the, uh, because of where we sit, you know, in Iowa, which is a, you know, as you both well know, very rural, was some of the work that uh, my boss Keith Mueller has through his uh, Rural Health Policy Institute around the impact of the Affordable Care Act on rural um, healthcare and on rural rural healthcare organizations, and particularly we looked at accountable care organizations that were involving rural organiz health organizations or that were created in rural uh, communities, for rural communities. So we, uh, particularly one up in Maine, which was really kind of fascinating because it was 
Maine's a huge state, and and this uh, kind of a care organization, they were trying to serve people, through, you know, in in four different places throughout the state, and just to see how they were trying to to make that happen was just fascinating. Yeah, it's definitely really fascinating. And I was especially intrigued by the team step stuff because I know we mentioned team steps a lot at Iowa, both at the patient access center and now my finance internship. Like they mentioned team steps and kind of things they learned through those programs. I thought that was really interesting. I'll have to spend some time talking with you about that. <laughs> you can educate me. We could. <laughs> um, I guess kind of about educating the public. What is something or some advice that you'd want to kind of tell the general public, um, if you could pick one thing, what is something you would want to tell the general public to know about your field of research is about health administration in general? Yeah, um, as I as I mentioned, you know, my, my uh, you know, focus of my, you know, philosophy has to do with organizations and how organizations impact both the people we're taking care of, but also the people who work there. And, you know, and if you think about it once, virtually anything that we accomplish or that we mess up in healthcare and in other sectors is through organizations that that they happen in organizations or or, or through organizations, and so that's why I'm so interested in organizations. And I think that the, in terms of the you know the importance about this field is that if we're going to improve um, healthcare and if we're going to improve health in general. We need to understand how to govern organizations, how to lead organizations, how to create cultures in organizations that support the people who work in them, and um, and so that they're more effective and feel more engaged in what they're doing and, and proud of what the, what they're doing. And so, um, you know, and in a lot of ways, it's, we don't get down into that level. You know, a lot of the things that we look at in terms of research. Are at the policy level, but but policies have to be implemented somehow, you know, and so and so that's why organizations are so important. Studying organizations is so important. Yeah, that is something I don't even think about as often as I should. Probably is um, I, I have thought about the policy level a lot, or like you know, individual and interpersonal level, but really, um, it's true that if a policy is in place, but it's not implemented by the organization, it's not really going to have the intended effects. And even internal policies, the same thing. If you're trying to you know, do something within the organization to change, you know, how you deliver care, you know, you, again, you've got to get buy-in from all these folks and you've got to have the appropriate, you know, um, internal policies in place. You have to have reward structures so that people are re recognized either. And those don't have to be uh, financial necessarily. They can be just, you know, recognition of, of somebody having done a good job, but you need something, you know, to help motivate folks and to help them understand um, and also to give them the opportunity to experiment a little bit and to try something a little bit different as long as it's focused on your outcome, what you want that to be. Yeah, I know a few weeks ago we interviewed Joe Tai and he was talking about uh, invisible architecture and this seems to be a lot of what you're talking about too. Joe Ty, by the way, is a, an alum of our program. And he used to teach in my, a, a different course that I'm teaching right now, but he used to teach several segments in, in that course. So I, I really like Joe a lot. Yeah, yeah, he was fun to talk to for sure. So moving toward 
kind of a student perspective, do you have any advice for potential students who are interested in the field of health management and policy or are maybe like Eric and getting started in it? Sure. I guess, it, you know, I would just say that anybody that's interested in and, and actually enters the field, you know, this is one of the most important areas in, in life. We're, we're, we're touching people's lives in this field as a whole. In terms of management, you know, the, 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 the real role of healthcare managers is to make it possible for the staff to, you know, heal people and to make people's lives better. So we need to, to begin with, obviously, is to focus on learning everything you can learn in, in, the, in both in the classroom but also through other experiences that you get external experiences that, that you have an opportunity to engage in. And, and then don't stop learning once you graduate. Be involved with other opportunities to learn and to grow. Find a good mentor once you do graduate. And even while you're in this program, find somebody that, that you can bounce the things that you're learning in class off of that they, you know, and, and get their perspective on things. Again, because what we're doing is is helping other people protect lives and improve health is to be humble and to you know realize that that's what we're there for. Is it's the concept of servant leadership. You know, we're there to, to help other people be able to be successful and to do their jobs well. But boy, it's a great, great, important field. You know, it gives you a sense of satisfaction that you're actually contributing something to other people's lives. And you meet some really neat people, some really smart, neat people. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've even like my what one and a half year, I guess now kind of in the program, I've already met some incredible people and have learned a lot. So I'm excited to continue learning so you can be that lifelong learner and kind of going off that lifelong learner. What's something that you thought you knew, but were later wrong about, Tev? You know, I, I was thinking about that. Since you guys, you know, let me look at the questions ahead of time. And I really struggled. And uh, not because I know so much, but because I always have these self-doubts about what I think I know. I'm always worried that, that, that maybe I'm wrong. And so, so it's a really struggle. My, my one son gave me a, a journaling book uh, a couple of years ago. And the, the title, of the, it had a title on the front of it, which was Things I Was Right About. And so far, I haven't made a single entry into it. <laughs> but anyway, one of the things, though, just in the, in the field that I, I can still remember when I was a when I was a master's student, my for our capstone, I had to write a paper. And at that time, this was in 1977, there were four, no, six, excuse me, six proposals for universal health insurance in Congress that were being taken to to Congress. Wow. And I thought, sure, we would have universal health insurance within 10 years. And obviously I was wrong. It's so crazy looking back at that, just saying like how we're kind of always, we have all so much, we're always technically kind of in the same place as far as certain things go. But I'm going to ask you one question, just as a fun question, just not anything related to career, just so we can get to know you a little more, um, that's not how it has to do with health administration. Um, let's see, let me ask you the question. What's the best thing you've ever eaten that you look back and you think, wow, that was like the best thing I've ever had to eat? Now, that is an interesting question. First, I have to preface this by saying my partner, Lori, is one of the best cooks that I've ever met. 
And so anything that is that is exceptional is probably something that I've had at her house. Having said that, nevertheless, as a friend of mine and I went to a, uh, a French restaurant in Chicago one time, and I don't remember exactly, to be honest, I don't remember exactly what we had, but it's one of the few times that six weeks later, I could still remember how good that, that meal was. Well, we'll have to track down what restaurant it was. Yeah, yeah, we certainly will. Man, going back to the what you thought you knew but were later wrong about and your feeling of being wrong all the time, I thought that would go away after a while, but <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> yeah, it's that whole, yeah, it's it's interesting you mentioned that because I don't know why it ran through my mind today, but that whole concept of uh, the imposter syndrome, you know, of do I really belong and do, do I really deserve that? I, I think for some people, it, it, it goes away. For other people, you know, they fake it until they make it kind of a thing. And then for other people, you just kind of keep muddling along <laughs> as best you can and, and, and hope things turn out well. And for me, you know, uh, fortunately, they have turned out well. And I've been, you know, really blessed to, to be where I am for these past 27 years. Yeah, well, um, you have definitely made some great contributions to the University of Iowa and the field of health management and policy overall. So thank you for that. This is kind of a bittersweet part of the episode. Uh, but yeah, just thank you for coming on today. And we wish you all the best in retirement. <laughs> thank you for inviting me. I hope, I hope that people enjoy listening <laughs> to this. I've enjoyed this conversation for sure. <laughs> yeah, I did too. Thank you so much, Ted. Thank you. That's it for our episode this week. Big thanks to Tom Vaughn for coming on with us today. This episode was hosted and written by Eric Ramos and myself and edited and produced by me, Anya Morozov. You can learn more about the University of Iowa College of Public Health on Facebook. Our podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please share it with your colleagues, friends, or anyone interested in public health. Have a suggestion for our team? You can reach us at cph-gradambassador at uiowa.edu. This episode was brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. Until next week, stay healthy, stay curious, and take care.